Thank you. Good morning again. We are continuing with the long game, and uh, Craig has asked me to look at hospitality. Are you a hospitable church? I'm glad there's, there's at least two people here that feel they are. Brilliant. Well done, those two people. We do want to encourage, to lift up. We do want to see us as a church that practices hospitality and is part of who we are. Our reading this morning comes from the book of Luke. If you'd like to open up your Bibles, Luke chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible, we do have some lovely new Bibles at the back in the corner. Uh, If you need to grab one, please do. Luke chapter 19, starting at the first verse. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short... He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, many of you will know this story. If you've ever been to Sunday school, you're probably sick to death of this story. So I think that probably the best way to get to grips with this story is to present it in a slightly different way this morning. So this morning, with a different voice, ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome on stage Mrs. Zacchaeus. to the park and I'm talking to my children um, sitting on the bench and I meet a neighbour and I strike up a conversation and say this is where we are. Hetty not head first sit on your bottom. No random ace makes me sick Jake mummy needs to take five okay. Three Aspen and two Prozac won't go miss. Hello are you new to the area? Nice to meet you. Which one's yours? Sweet. You sat in what? No, you can't wipe it on your sister. That's another pair of dungarees that'll need a miracle. Crown me the queen of may do amend. I hope you're settling in. Who have you met so far? Sour old soul? Don't let the kids kick a ball into his garden. You'll never get it back. How about Rowdy Rebecca? You hear her before you see her, but it's nice to have the warning. And no doubt you've met the tax man, Zacchaeus. 
I bet he was standing at the door, checking off your furniture on the way in, salivating over the sums. Comes to collect the tax on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and Fridays and Sundays. He never takes a day off. Money makes him weak at his tiny little knees. You must have met him. He's got little beady eyes, but you don't want to look him in the eye for too long. Gives you a bad back. That man won't buy a new toilet roll until the old one's finished and the cardboard's been used. He's a vile little wretch of a man. A mean as mean's no good. Oh yes, I've known him for ages. He's my husband. Years and years I've been trying to change him, that man. I've tried everything. Completely unchangeable. His obsession grips our family like a vice. We never have people around. It would be like charity, he says, and we are not a charity. Then, get this. This is why I'm feeling a little bit uh, delicate, shall we say. Last night, out of nowhere, he waltzes into the heaving crowd of assorted freaks and weirdos and announces, my darling, dinner for everyone. I nearly fainted in shock. He's never called me darling. And I had nothing in the oven, nothing in the fridge, nothing in the freezer. And all these madly grinning northern oiks, sorry, but making me nervous, not to mention the effect on my carpet. Zach whispers, keep them talking. I'll nip to Waitrose and I'll buy something special. Waitrose? He'll nip to Waitrose? He only lets me shop in Lidl's. He brought back flowers. This is the man who calls flowers an unnecessarily overpriced, needlessly wasteful gesture you can well live without. And he danced around the house, danced. I just not all evening recklessly topping up glasses with chateau enough to counter which wasn't on special offer. So we're having this wild impromptu party and Zach's an entirely different person. He's throwing money at people. He's like someone I'd actually like to be married to. I blame that Jesus. One meeting with him and he's instantly a new man. Years Years of hard graft I've put in, trying to make Zach at least a little bit more pleasant. It's put me in mind of a stiff lid on a jar. I must have been loosening it all these years, so Jesus should just come along and pop off his cums. Infuriating. I don't know why I'm complaining. I think I, well, it's just, I mean, well, yes, it was a wonderful party, I guess. Just, I don't know. Um, well, you're, you're right. I have a new husband. Apparently, Jesus makes a habit of this kind of thing. He calls it seeking and saving the lost. I call it a personality transplant. I mean, look at him on that roundabout. That's not normal, is it? He's actually having fun. I've never seen the kids laughing so hard. Will you excuse me? I think I'm going to go and join in. Thank you, Mrs. Zacchaeus. Thank you. Uh, those of you who have never heard one of those monologues before, comes from a book called uh, The Word of the Wives uh, by Abby and Michelle Guinness. Uh, it is a collection of monologues for the unheard women of the Bible. Uh, it, they are quite funny. 
They are, they are fantastic. Does anybody want a copy? Come grab it. The first one who gets it, gets it. <laughs> oh, she's quick. She's quick. If you want it, get it. And you've got to get it quick. Thank you very, very much. Jesus calls it seeking and saving the lost. I call it a personality transplant. That is the image that we have of this small man. That is the image and the typical redemption story we've all heard. Boy is bad. Jesus is good. Boy meet Jesus. Boy come good. Boy become holy. Boy become hospitable. Is that really the truth of it? That we as a church, that we Christians believe that at the moment that we get Christ into our lives, we suddenly have a personality transplant. Is that truly how it goes? Are we inviting everyone round for dinner? Are we allowing Christ to allow himself? And northern oiks means people from Galilee, but let's just leave it as oiks. I heard that in your voice. Are we prepared to welcome anyone and everyone into our home? Sometimes we don't quite hit the hospitality mark that is set by us. It's true silver screen material though, isn't it? The classic story of salvation. This passage, this journey, this life of Zacchaeus is used to underline the importance of practicing hospitality. And it's important that we as a family of God practice hospitality. When Christ comes into our lives, we are compelled to see our brothers and sisters as just that. Brothers and sisters with one heavenly father, all created in the same image. So what do we do? Dinner time. If there's one thing us Christians know how to do, it's feed people. If you want to find out more, if you're new this morning, come to Newcomer's Lunch. But that's what we do, isn't it? Dinner time, quick run, put out the waitress essential. Before I go any further, what is waitress essential? I, 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 it boggles my mind some of the things they consider to be essential. Surely. There are other supermarkets available. I'd like to let you know that. Uh, please don't just consider this uh, sponsored by Waitrose Essential Range. But it's what we do. Get out the good food. Get out the good crockery. Put flowers on the table. Febreze that toilet. Everything that suddenly was put on Mrs. Zacchaeus and the Zach household. A household turned upside down. So scripturally, where are we coming from right now? Why are we asked to practice this hospitality, this generosity? Hebrews 13 says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. The truth of it is, there have been people coming through this door this morning that you don't know. 
There have been people coming through these doors into your life this morning that you do not know. But you don't know how important they'll be to you. You don't know their story and how it's going to impact your life. This is where we come in. You don't know who you're welcoming into your home. You don't know who you're cooking for. You might not even know the life and the story of those people that you are driving around. I'm going to be honest, and I apologize to my parents if they're watching this online. Most of the time, on a Sunday, more, a Sunday lunchtime, I didn't know half the people coming into my home. My parents were very hospitable, generous people. All I knew as a teenager growing up was that napkins on the table meant someone important is coming for dinner, that dessert is going to be served, and that's no bad thing. Pudding is good. But did Zach know? Did Zacchaeus know who was coming for dinner? Did Mrs. Zacchaeus and the household, did they get to grips with who was coming for dinner? Did they get why it was important? Did they get why it mattered? Did they get just how much of an impact it was going to have on their lives? Was Vianetta served? Truly, truly, Vianetta is the king of all desserts. I saw a uh, Facebook post from New Zealand. Do you know how much they're charging for Vianetta in New Zealand? Six pounds, and that was on special offer. Six Crazy world, crazy world we live in. Um, I am being told there are other desserts available. It should be in our very nature. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hospitality means drawing us into community together, coming together, being united, walking with one another. There are many big churches out there where people come and go and are not noticed, are not seen. They come, they worship, they leave. There is no welcome home for dinner. There is no welcome for a cup of coffee. There is no chat at the end. Is that the community that we are called to be? No. We are called to walk together. Why? Because in practicing hospitality, we are drawn together, united as one family under God. But you might say, yes, but Pat, I really don't like my family. I'm not even sure about this family here this morning. That's okay. That's okay. That's why I said practice hospitality, not perfecting hospitality. Hospitality is about encouraging one another and encouraging those God has put in your life so that you can bless them and release them in ways you couldn't imagine. The highlight of your Sunday might be inviting that one person round for Sunday dinner. 
But in doing so, you might be unleashing somebody to do miracles you would never imagine. It is our aim on Sunday morning to welcome every single person who comes through our doors so that we might equip and encourage them so that another week can continue where God's kingdom is continually being built. You are all kingdom builders. You are all invited to build his kingdom with him. Isn't that an amazing thought? Isn't that an amazing thing to know? That the God who created the universe, who created every molecule in your body, also looks at you and says, now come and be a builder with me. We practice hospitality in the knowledge that we equip others. We support one another and even angels to build his kingdom. This is a star hospitality. Any of you who are teachers, I don't know the, the, uh, the change in the grading system. I'm going to go with A star. I don't know any better. I apologize. I don't know if it's a one or a six or whatever. But I'm going to say A star. A star hospitality. You welcome people into your home, into your church. Perhaps they don't leave with half your worldly possessions, but they should leave refreshed, revitalized, and encouraged to do his work. Well done. You've completed the portion that the Lord has set before you this day. But what about tomorrow? What about the day after? What happens when the crockery is chipped? When the pudding is just a biscuit? The stranger smells or is weird or unkind? How do you keep on going? How do you keep striving to practice that hospitality? Do we think that hospitality is just fine china and a wonderful three-course meal with or without Viennetta? I'm sure you've heard the phrase, blessed to be a blessing to others. Well, that comes from Genesis 12, 3, where God says to Abraham, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. It usually comes up on social media, with, usually with a hashtag, you know, blessed to be a blessing. Usually over the top of a picture of a charming couple having a very fine meal. Or perhaps they're walking through vineyards in the south of France, or whatever it is. They're, they're looking good, they've got everything, and you know, they're just looking for some poor soul to, to be a blessing for. That's not what it's supposed to mean. It's not. It's not the wealthy sharing their good fortune. It's not glib words of compassion for those in need. It's not an excuse for comfy living in the face of need. It's the allowing of love to flip, turn our world upside down so that God can get to work building his kingdom in and around us with those people we meet and share with. You see, of all the passages you've heard this morning, one verse stood out to me. And it should stand out because it's very different the way you can read it. And it's verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, 
Here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. It depends on whether you are reading this in the past or future tense. Allow me to explain. You can read this as a classic story of redemption. Christ turns up, Zacchaeus is changed. Everything about him changes. Greed is gone. The world is flipped, turned upside down. And I have the words of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song in my head, and I shouldn't. His world gets flipped upside down, and hospitality is the result. Come, welcome into my house. A change of his character. A character transplant. The rich man opens his door to the poor. Follows a very typical Jewish and Christian narrative. That wealth is the sign of God's favor and the sharing of said wealth is a hospitable attitude. And it's the hospitable attitude we should all have. So let's flip it. Why? Because Matthew 19 tells us it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. Pretty solid proof that Jesus does not see wealth and poverty in black and white fashion. That hospitality can only be practiced by the haves and practiced on the have-nots. So we do have to flip it. Let's consider it in the present tense. What if this man Zacchaeus is giving away half of his worldly possessions? What if he is practicing hospitality and generosity in the here and now? That Jesus actually comes to a righteous man who is simply belittled by his community. Note when reading that, that in the reading, at no point does he admit to his sin. Is this because he's already humbled himself? Is it because he's already admitted his guilt and his sin and is already attempting to redeem it? If we wander back through Luke, this story comes at the end of several stories of social justice. Jesus tells a rich man to sell his possessions. It comes after a blind man repents. Zacchaeus would have known that to come to Jesus meant the removal of barriers and an act of faith. He would have known that he couldn't come as a rich man. If he has repented then, if he has given away his ill-gotten wealth, then this story has flipped upside down. But it's still a story of hospitality. The act of hospitality then is not Zacchaeus opening his door to Jesus. It's Jesus being prepared to sit with him. But Zacchaeus invites Jesus for dinner. Yes, but Jesus, in love, gives himself over to Zacchaeus. Jesus turns Zacchaeus' world upside down. You see, there are two people in this relationship. There's two people in this dialogue. There is Zacchaeus and there is Jesus. And both of them need to communicate. Who here has looked at love languages? Who here knows what they are, have practiced them, Love languages, there are five of them. Words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, your time, and acts of love. Zacchaeus, it seems, is at a point where his mind is solely on his wealth. 
and giving over money to others and giving away his ill-gotten wealth. But he needs, he needs those words of affirmation from Jesus. He needs to communicate that. So when we give those gifts of hospitality, do you know which gift you are giving, which love language you are speaking? And do you know what it is that they need? Because you're both in this together. You and the person that you are practicing hospitality with. There are always two. A giver and a receiver. Who are you? And do you recognize that you can also receive in your giving? You see, we are told that a cord of two snaps easily, but three is stronger. When you meet, invite Jesus Christ to meet with you also. To be your unseen guest at the table. To be in your conversation. So that the two of you together might walk humbly with Christ. Where two or more of you meet, there am I also. Allow Christ to meet with both of you. Because in doing so, both your lives can be changed in ways that you could not possibly imagine. The hospitality needs to go both ways. Allow God to walk with you. Allow God and the person that you invite into your home to turn your life upside down. Maybe not a personality transplant, but maybe to see God's kingdom in a way that you've not seen it before. Maybe you've come here this morning thinking, I know how God's kingdom works. I've seen it. I've felt it. I've prayed into it. But maybe... You've not seen it the way that your guest has seen it. Both of you need to make room for the other. And hospitality is allowing ourselves to be shaped by the lives of the other, and especially shaped by Christ. He is showing us where his kingdom is being built and being hospitable and a welcoming church. That is what we do. We are welcoming people and allowing us to see the kingdom through their eyes so that we would have a better grasp to see where it's being built today.